Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Get In The Game podcast and the second half of this amazing story that began last time with Mauricio Dubon. This week, we're going to invite Cardinals pitcher Adam Wainwright to sit down with me and talk about his work with Water Mission in Honduras and how a water project put in 10 years ago impacted the life of a current Major League Baseball player, Mauricio Dubon. You heard about that interview last week as Mauricio joined us, and if you haven't listened to it, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that interview before listening to this one. You'll get some great perspective, and it'll help set the stage for how Adam will detail for us the incredible connection that he had after a game in St. Louis against Mauricio and the Astros. You'll be amazed by this unique interaction and how God is using this story to inspire others through an act of service. In fact, just this week, I was in St. Louis for Adam's retirement celebration. The Cardinals played a video of this story between Adam and Mauricio on the Jumbotron in front of a packed Bush Stadium. I watched as everyone in attendance stayed glued to the screen. This story says so much about the man who has learned what his true God-given purpose is by using his baseball career to serve others. Adam just retired from baseball after a storied 18-year career with the St. Louis Cardinals. His accomplishments include two World Series championships, three trips to the All-Star Game, and the prestigious Roberto Clemente Award, which honors one Major League player each year for their outstanding work off the field in service to others. He's a model for me of someone who seeks to serve God on a daily basis and is constantly thinking about how he can shine his light. So listen in as we hear my good friend Adam's side of the story. Hello, welcome to Get in the Game podcast with your host Scott Lyman, former MLB star and current water mission advocate. Oh yeah, and he also happens to be our dad, so let's dive right in. Adam, thanks for being here with us today. Really appreciate your time. Good to see you, buddy. You too. Hey, so most people want to talk about baseball. We want to talk a little bit about the stuff off the field. Mm-hmm. In your storied career of 18 years as a Major League veteran, what would you say are your highlights off the field? Uh, the first thing came to mind, obviously, Roberto Clemente Award. Um, just a reminder of the platform we've been given and the things that c- can come cool off the field, you know, because of the field. Um, we were able to touch so many different people's lives and situations that we wouldn't be uh, given that access to if we hadn't if we hadn't been able to play the game of baseball. So that's the first thing I thought of. And then two, probably um, seeing a lot of different players. Our, one of our big missions at Big League Impact, our charity that we've started, uh, is inspiring other players to go out in their communities and do great things and, and uh, fight, figure out what they're passionate about. And to see so many players kind of come into their own in that way, that, that's pretty meaningful. Yeah, we're going to talk more about <clears throat> Big League Impact later. Um, but I've heard so many people talk about what a blessing you are to them. Um, you obviously hold a, a huge value on personal relationships. You developed a lot of relationships over the years how does it make you feel when you hear that that you've been such a blessing to others well it's i mean it's just a great blessing that you that people kind of let you in to walk through life with them you know i've had some incredible teammates along the way here in st louis that uh you just you grow 
when you grow on the field as teammates, that's one thing. But then when you can get together off the field in hotel rooms or at team dinners or, you know, bus rides or plane rides and, and just talk life, talk marriages, talk children, talk friendships and talk struggles, talk, you know, talk wins, talk whatever it is. When you can talk about those things, um, you bond on a different level. And so I've had some incredible teammates be able to do that through through the years here. And you've been a part of a lot of causes. One of them is safe water for people in need. Can you tell us of a, a story, how you first came to know about the global water crisis and how you became such a champion for safe water? Yeah, I mean, so really kind of almost by chance, uh, I'd, I'd run a golf tournament through FCA for years, eight years, I think. And and we were attending cancer balls and, and pet, um, you know, animal rights foundation things and, and children's hospitals. But my wife and I were kind of looking for the thing that that really hit home for us, you know, and, and our financial planner, Don Christensen, is an amazing man of, of giving and charitable endeavors and knows a lot of different people in a lot of different spheres. And, and uh, we had done a couple of wells before with some other organizations, but, but Don, who we really trust, and it's almost like a father or uncle, we call him Uncle Don in our house, um, he came to us and said, hey, I found this, this water organization that's doing these clean water situations. And, and they're doing it in a different way than ever. They're not just digging a well and, and leaving it because we, you know, we've been, we go on mission trips and, or, or hear about missionaries that go on trips and, and uh, they see a, a, a well with a padlock on it because somebody dug the well, but then they didn't keep, it, keep up with it and it broke. And so nobody came back to fix it. And, and uh, he said, hey, the accountability behind these is amazing. It's getting people jobs in the organization, the, inside the communities that it's serving. Um, it's solar powered, it's self-sustaining, it's 99.99% pure. He goes, I think we ought to look at this. And so we did a couple of projects to see the before and after pictures and, and hear the results. The waterborne illness almost all the way gone in six months to hear that, you know, kids can go to school and, and uh, the parents can go to work without sick bellies and they don't have to spend their time trying to get better. They can actually go out and try to, to thrive. You know, all of a sudden I start looking and going, man, Jenny, that was pretty powerful. You know, and then we start looking at the basic essential needs, food, water, shelter. What are the things we take for granted every day? We would go to the pantry and get, you know, food for days. We go to the bathroom and get water out of the sink, but we could drink water out of the toilet that's cleaner than most water in the world. And so uh, just really hit home that things like that, those basic essential needs, the water, man, water's just not something that I've ever had to struggle with. But I also know from being in those third world countries a few times, a lot of the world is. So you and I were introduced to Water Mission around the same time. We actually took a, a trip to Honduras together. Um, can you tell us a little bit about why you went on that trip? So uh, that was our first project we ever did with Big League Impact. Um, and we had this, this idea that we were gonna do food and water. And the food program that we did was in St. Louis. And the water program we did was through Water Mission. And we did a project in Honduras, Coyolas Aldea, Honduras. And uh, one thing I was not gonna do was just write a check and then say, see you later. I wanted to go there, experience it, drink the water, see the people, meet the people, shake their hands, ask them how it was, how it's changed their lives and, and uh, see the results, take the pictures and bring those back here to the great people who are our donors at Big League Impact and say, look at what you did. Look at the incredible impact you've had Let's do it again, you know? And so that's why we went, that's why I went. And I was glad that you got to go with us. And um, 
feel like we we figured out at that time that we like going on mission trips together. Yeah, we do. So uh, wives like hanging out together. You know, you hadn't got sick of me yet, so maybe we should do a few more. I think we should. Uh, can you talk about, because sometimes you, you go on a trip like that, you have expectations of what you're going to see, and you come back with very different um, you know, topics of what you actually did see. Can you talk about maybe some of those differences? Yeah, I, I went in kind of not, you know, you have these high hopes for this project, right? You hear these numbers of how it can change a community. Um, and I, I went in knowing that this particular community was up on this hill and the, the residents had to walk miles down this hill to get to this stream. And then we passed the stream on the way in and you, know, you see people walk, walking in it and washing in it and dogs in it and all kinds of stuff. And you just think, man, is that the water they're drinking? You know? But then the trek back up the hill was the one that really got my eyes open. So that's the water they're drinking. That's the only water they have and they got to take it all the way back up there, two miles. That was really, that was really eye-opening to me. And to see the project that we put in, plus the latrines, that was a big deal, I thought. But to know that that water project is at the very top with the 50 taps running throughout the, the community so that nobody had to walk outside more than about 50 feet outside their front door to get clean water, that's a total game changer. To see the parade of people, the people that, that when we pulled up to this place, you know, you go there kind of wondering like, man, I hope it's working and I hope this is great. And I don't know, 1,500 people standing there with big poster boards. Thank you, Adam Wainwright. Thank you, you know, Water Mission. It was amazing to me and, and driving in there, I thought, man, we've, we've really stumbled on something that's impactful here. So Big League Impact is your foundation and the purpose of that is to introduce players around the major leagues to a variety of different humanitarian efforts and causes both here in the United States and abroad. What do you think has been your greatest achievement in the work with BLI? Mm, well, I mean, I think it's twofold, right? alleviating or trying to alleviate food, water, shelter, basic essential needs programs or problems. That's our big initiative. Our other big initiative is inspiring other players. Um, I, I think, hmm, I don't know if I'd be able to say one thing, but I know that the very first event we ever did that funded that first pro, uh, project in Honduras was really powerful for me. You know. We did a big fantasy football draft right up there in uh, the upper deck, the, the suite level of the right field Bush Stadium seats. And I was pitching against the Atlanta Braves, who I came up against, or who I came up with. And uh, I ended up pitching a complete game. We had the draft that morning, and my manager was all worried that I was going to be tired, um, that I'd spent too much time doing all that uh, kind of extracurricular stuff. And, and uh, I was really gung-ho that that was going to be you know, a big, a big day for us. And uh, the event w went off, it was a smash. It was, we raised $120,000 in a couple hours. I threw a complete game against the Braves and I walked off the field and I looked up and I remember pointing up to him and the entire group of them all, uh, it was uh, four leagues of 12. So we had, we had 11 players, 11 people in there. So it was 44 player, uh, people up there playing with us and uh, in our leagues. And they were all standing outside giving me the big, you know, high fives and, and going crazy as I was walking off the field. And, and I think it, it's, not, it's not a project we did and it's not a bunch of players, but that moment right there was so powerful for me because when I walked off the field, I know that I'd made a difference. And I knew that, that I'd helped other people, 44 other people experience what that difference felt like, you know? And, and it was just the start of something wonderful. 
So you've been a part of other water projects around Honduras. That wasn't that was just the first one, but there's been a lot of other work that you've done through the foundation and you personally, you and Adam and you and Jenny. Um, a few weeks ago, there was a really cool interaction. This is something, one of those stories uh, away from baseball that not a lot of people hear about. But Mauricio Dubon, a player from the Houston Astros that you were playing against, a native Honduran, actually came up and talked to you um, about a project that, that you had done that was very near where he grew mm -hmm. up. Can you tell us about that interaction? Yeah, and, it, and I think it was that Coyolis Aldea project, the very first one we ever did. He's from a a little place right outside that town and and uh i had just pitched against the astros he's on the astros i just pitched against the astros and i pitched like a dog just got my tail handed to me and and uh then i get a text from the clubhouse manager over there rip rowan who said hey mauricio wants to come over and talk to you and meet you and get you to sign a jersey is that okay and i was like yeah i mean you know rub it in why don't you and uh, he came over and he shared the story about how, how much that water project had, met, had meant to him and his community and his life um, and in how that inspired him uh, as a person, as, as a humanitarian. And I just, you know, I went from feeling pretty low about, honestly, about pretty much everything. You know, I just, I started, I wasn't pitching great at the time. Um, you know, you, you can kind of get your identity wrapped up in this game if you don't watch out. And all of a sudden, you know, he tells me this heartfelt story about what a what a difference that made. And all of a sudden, then I just, you know, I fleshed the game right away. I walked back into the clubhouse after giving a big hug, signed a jersey to him, telling him thank you. And I walked back in the, and I thought, you know what, man, this is all for something. You know, it's not just the outs we're getting on the field. There's a, there's a lot more things that are happening off the field because of this game um, that are really powerful. And, and I, I went home with my head held high that day. It was pretty powerful. It was powerful for him to meet me, which is, which is, you know, an honor for him to say that, but it was more powerful for me, I think, to experience that moment, you know, where, where the work that we're putting in is actually meaningful and is actually doing good work. It took a lot of courage for a young player to come over here and talk to a veteran, especially after a day like that. Yeah. Hats off to him and hats yeah. off to you for your gracious attitude to go out and, and greet him. Um, one thing that Mauricio said, we sat down with him recently to, to get his side of the story and, um, he actually said that you, the act that you did for him moved something, awoke something inside of him and moved him towards serving others. How does that make you feel to hear that? Yeah, I mean, and that's, I heard my good friend Jaime Garcia say a few minutes ago that this, this life is all about discipleship. And uh, to be a, a disciple maker, you first have to be a disciple. And so, you know, if I can, if I can make disciple makers like Mauricio and, 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 and he can go out and make more disciples and disciple makers like that. And we can continue this trend. We're gonna have a whole bunch of disciples running around this world doing great things for the, for the kingdom. And, uh, and, and Mauricio's story, it was, it was powerful for me, but you know he's telling that story to a lot, a lot of other people too. And so he's inspiring a lot of other people, probably in his hometown, but also you know, across the, state, across the, the game of baseball and, and, and bigger. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of cliche to say this, that baseball could save the world. But when you hear stories like that, you, you think, you know, this might really be possible. Do you agree with that? It, it would be, I'll tell you, it would be really amazing to see what would happen in this world if every Major League Baseball realized their platform and realized uh, the potential they had um, if they just didn't waste that time, you know? And, and that's one of our big uh, initiatives at Big League Impact is just, hey, don't waste this time. The, the average Major League career is three or four years. 
then you got three or four years to go out and make a difference at the, at the, at the, at the most sometimes, you know, and uh, hopefully your career goes a lot longer. But while you got this big giant platform, man, we got to use it. You know, it would be, it would be crazy powerful to see what we could do in this world. We could probably eliminate the world's water crisis if every major league baseball player got behind that cause. What you're talking about is purpose. Mm. And what would you say is the definition of purpose for you and how you've tried to live out your purpose as a major league baseball player? Well, I'm trying to recognize his purposes for me, God's purposes for me, first and foremost. Uh, this, this season itself has been a real test for me. You know, I've, I've not played well. I've been injured a lot. Um, but I keep coming back to this thought that he has me here for a reason. What is it that he has me here to do? And so I think if I'm just faithful to, to, to our Lord and his commandments and his, his uh, ideals, and I'm loving on people around me constantly, and I'm building up others, and I'm, I'm trying to impact his kingdom for a, in, in a positive way all the time, then, then I, that might just be all that he has me here for. I don't know. I'm, I'm still hoping that he has me here for a few more wins. Um, but, but if not, I, I'm here to inspire others, you know. And so I don't know what my purpose is completely in his kingdom other than to build his kingdom further. Adam, you've obviously talked a lot about your faith. You're a strong man of faith. How would you say that faith and generosity pair? What is, what is your faith and reading God's Word taught you about being generous? Well, I don't think you can be, um, I, don't, I don't know if you can be that strong in your faith if you're not, if it's not showing the fruit behind it, you know, if it's not producing fruit. I know there's a kind of a fine line there where our works don't earn our salvation, but, but our salvation is so big and so important, and that word forever is just so scary. It's got to be the scariest word in the whole English language. I, I keep coming back to this eternity. I mean, that is a, a, a terribly frightening word. And if you really understand that, and you really understand this God who's in control of everything, is the most powerful being uh, that, that built this universe, that, that made grass green and, and made the moon and made the stars and made the galaxies that we'll never even figure out and find out. Uh, he has us here for only a short amount of time. It's, it's, it's a very, it's a, it's a blip in the radar of eternity. And um, the faith that we have to a great God like that, to a powerful God like that, to a loving and graceful God like that, that's, that's, that's offering us eternity with Him, we need to tell others about that. And the acts that we do, we, the life that we live needs to be, it needs to be pointing others towards, towards Him. You know, if, if, the life we're, if the life we're leading is not pointing towards Him, I don't know if we're leading a life that we should be leading. I don't know if I said that right. So let's talk more about that because as a veteran player, you've got an opportunity to coach some of the younger players. As a father, you've got an opportunity to coach your children. How do you coach someone on being generous? What does that look like? Yeah, well, okay, so uh, I love little, not punches in the ribs, but little challenges, right? Like we all need those every now and then. We, love, we, we need wake-up calls. And so uh, I have conversation with guys like, Hey, you're a believer? Yeah, great. All right, awesome. Where are you giving? Like after, you, after you live life with somebody, right? After they know you care about them, after you've walked through some of their struggles and their, their gains or whatever, you kind of earn that right a little bit, especially when you're an old guy like me, to speak into people's lives. The other day I was talking to a young player and I said, do you believe that God is the number one? He said, yeah. I said, you believe he's the, he has priority over everything? Yeah. You believe he comes number one, right? Yeah. 
And then baseball's after that? Yeah. I said, well, then why aren't you in chapel? And he goes, well, I had to do my, my, I said, no, 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 you didn't have to, you just told me he was number one. So if he is number one, then I need to see you in chapel, right? If you don't think he's number one, then we can talk about that kind of stuff. But if you say he's number one, why are you not in chapel? Same situation with giving, right? Is he number one? Perfect. Where are you giving? What do you mean, where am I giving? Well, let's talk about it. What does the Bible say about that? Let's talk about tithing. Let's talk about where your, where your treasure's lying, you know, where you're putting your priorities in life. Because, because your life will point to what you care about the most. And if you care about him the most, then there should be some giving involved. So for some, making a financial contribution um, is how we talk about giving. But there's other ways to give. You give of your time, your talents. Um, for some, writing a check may be the easiest part of giving. Yeah. But you, just like you were referenced in that trip to Honduras, it was important for you to go to spend of your time. And that's not something that you have a lot of in the offseason. So um, what, what does that look like in, in terms of um, using more than just your financial resources, but also your time and your, your talent? Yeah. Um, well, I, I like using examples that are kind of we're living out right now. So um, as baseball players, you know, you, you got your family life at home, you got a bunch of kids, they're in school, whatever. You got workouts, you got to be at the field a little earlier, whatever it is. Okay, maybe there's not as much time, but you know where you have lots of time? On the road. You got a lot of time on the road. And any baseball player that says they don't have any time, they're not telling you the truth. Because you're in this you're in hotel rooms by yourself many times, um, and you're there until two o'clock, you get on the bus, go to the field or whatever. Well, what did you do until two o'clock? So you have the time, right? I think sometimes as baseball players, and, and this is probably true of any walk of, or, or job in life, you just have to be honest evaluators of, of your actual time. Are you saying you have no time, but you played around to golf today? I mean, like, are you saying you have no time, but you went to the casino all night long? And th these are things I've talked about with my players, right? Like, all those are great. I love going to the casino every now and then. I love, I love playing golf. I love, you know, going fishing, right? But what we're doing on the road this year is pretty neat. We're, we're getting together, we're meeting up, and we're saying, all right, where are these places on the road where we have this extra time? Because we wake up at hopefully around 10 o'clock. We got this time until two o'clock that's pretty open. Let's get out in those communities and go serve. And we can, we can go serve at food banks or you know, work at Ronald McDonald House or whatever. And we've done all kinds of things around the league. But that's, uh, that's part of, I think, um, to be able to give that time, I think you first have to be an honest evaluator of your time and figure out, all right, do I have some extra time here where I can give? And, and if you do, then, then maybe you should. So you got an 18-year career in Major League Baseball coming to a close. You've already announced your retirement. You've got about a month left. Any insights on what it looks like post-baseball? What are you excited about doing? Well, i got five kids that they're going to um, take up some, some time for sure. I uh, can't wait to get you know, there, there's some things you miss, you know, as as you know, Scott, is uh, miss first tooth being pulled or first steps being taken or first time riding a bike or whatever. I missed a few of those. Um, so I'll be glad to, to, to be there for all the experiences, right? Um, my wife and, and I are, are looking forward to taking a trip, just me and her for a couple of weeks, maybe go to Italy or someplace and just, just get out, you know, not, not, not just be here, but kind of get out and go somewhere fun together. Um, I got a music. I got a country music album coming out, so we'll see about that. Um, maybe they won't like it, so I won't, maybe that won't be 
too big, but I've heard it. I think there'll be some people that like there'll, it. There'll be some people that like it anyways. Um, got some broadcasting lined up too. So my wife is always trying to limit the amount of irons I put in the fire, but um, I've got some opportunities. We'll see. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully it's it's good stuff. So you've talked at length about some of the challenges that you've had to face, even early on, growing up without a, a father. Your brother, you know, largely filled that gap. Um, you've had major injuries. You've had losses. What would you say to young people that are experiencing any kind of challenge? How have you met, and how ha have you learned from the challenges that you have faced? I, I think. Um, I think an optimistic mindset is is key in getting through a lot of different things, right? Like, yeah, I could be upset that I had a couple of big injuries in the prime of my career, but like, what was God teaching me through that? What what happened good through that? The first thing that came to mind, my daughter Morgan, when she was little, she, until she was three years old, she didn't want to look at me. She didn't like me very much, right? She just she was a mama's girl, and every time I'd walk in the room, she'd just get upset. Well, when I had Tommy John surgery in 2011, I got to spend loads and loads of time with her, just me and her, and then she became the biggest daddy's girl ever. So um, the next thing, that same season, I, I got into gardening. Now I'm just, I love farming and giving all this food away. And then 2015, I blew my Achilles out in my prime of my career and um, picked up the guitar and started really playing and singing and writing songs. And so now I've got this country music album coming out. So. I would say that, you know, sometimes we don't know why things happen, but uh, the correct mindset through that and not getting down and not, not getting depressed on it, but, but trying to find the good in it, figure out, maybe you don't find out till later, but you keep, keep searching, you keep asking, all right, Lord, what are you trying to show me through this? And that, that's helped me get through a lot of the tough times. Last question here. Um, I'd love to just give you a chance to maybe say something to people that really don't know about the Adam Wainwright underneath the uniform, what would you tell him? He's ugly. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you, you'd answer that question better than me, Scott. I, I mean, um, I don't know. I, I've just been, I've been blessed to be here in St. Louis for a long time with a lot of amazing fans and got a great family that, that pours into me and motivates me every day to go out and, and be great and, and uh, got a great friendship group that supports me and five kids that support me and and uh, you know just I would say I'm just I'm more grateful for the people that are around me and surrounding my life and um, so yeah thank you to all those people awesome. thank you Adam. all right wow I hope you were as inspired by that interview as I was I love how Adam unashamedly lays out a vision of what we could do to eliminate the global water crisis I also love how Mauricio's story recentered Adam's focus and reminded him of the importance of using our lives and our positions for something so much bigger than ourselves. Adam has over 200 wins in his career as a major league pitcher, but the greatest wins he will tell you came as a result of listening and obeying God's opportunities to serve others. I also want, want to share that since this interview took place, this story has inspired the Cardinals and the Cardinals Care Foundation to make a gift to Water Mission in honor of Adam's retirement that will fund the construction of a safe water project in Honduras. And Water Mission has chosen the recipient community of that gift to be the very in the very same vicinity as Mauricio's hometown. How cool to see how God continues to use stories like this to inspire more acts of generosity. I hope you're inspired too. And I hope you will get out there and get in the game. 
Thanks for your time for listening. God bless you. Thank you.